turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray as we turn. Father, we just thank you tonight for your wonderful presence that's among us. And we just pray, Lord, knowing that your presence is here, that you desire, it is your desire to do your will and your work in our midst tonight. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would anoint your word, you would quicken it. Lord, that you would open ears to hear, eyes that are blind, that you would open the blinded eye. Lord, tonight we pray, O Father, in the name of Jesus, that the wind of God would blow into this place tonight. Some weary, broken life will come to the cross and leave this place a new creature in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, that it's your will that none should perish. That's your will tonight, Lord. Not one person in this room will go to a lost eternity, a Christless eternity. But Lord, you're here tonight to save. Thank you, your arm's not short, that it cannot save. Thank you, Lord, your mercy endures forever. So God, tonight, would you move among us? In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, Paul writing here to the church at Corinth says these words were, For we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we command not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth now we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to read that verse again. If you have your Bible open, would you read it with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the church will say, Amen. Here Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And we note in these few verses here that he brings forth just in verse 10, this verse, for we must all stand or appear before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that this is one of the most foremost thoughts in the life of the Apostle Paul. He had in his foremost thought this revelation and truth that one day, one day, 
Paul the Apostle, saved on the road to Damascus, born of the Spirit of God, apprehended by God, laid his hand upon him, filled him with the Holy Ghost, raised him up to be a mighty missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he knew this one thought, one day, one day, he'll stand face to face with Jesus Christ. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, brothers and sisters, every person in this room that is saved by the grace of God will stand before Christ, their Savior, and give an account of the life that they have lived as a believer. Paul grasped this truth that the man that saved him on the road to Damascus wonderfully delivered him by the power of the Holy Ghost, washed him in his own precious blood, apprehended him and commissioned him for the gospel. He grasped this truth that my life is not my own. I have been bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, saints, every saved person in this room will stand before the judgment seat, the accountability as living as a believer before the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, we'll give an account, listen carefully, of everything that's been done in his body according to that that he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Paul grasped this truth that one day he'll be held to account of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, he recognized not only will the believer be held account to their life, but he also recognized that there was a day of judgment that would come for the whole world. All those that reject Jesus, all those that turn their back on the Savior, all those that refuse to give their lives to Him and be saved, He realized that there was a day coming. He called it the terror of the Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ would come to execute judgment upon the whole world. And because of this reality, the great white throne judgment, Paul the Apostle, knowing that there was a judgment day for this world, he said that he would persuade men to get right with God. He wouldn't let up. He wouldn't water it down. He wouldn't go the easy path. But he would preach Christ. He would preach the cross. He would preach heaven. He would preach hell. He would preach the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. People would tell him perhaps he was too radical, too over the top. He would say often that his preaching would cause people to be offended. But brothers and sisters, he knew that there was a day coming when Christ would judge the whole earth. Knowing the terror of the Lord, he said, I'm going to persuade men. I will be on their case. I will speak to them about the reality of this life and death and heaven and hell. He knew there was a day coming when Christ would burst through the clouds. He knew there was a judgment day that was just about to come for men who were living their life outside of Christ. And he persuaded men, it's time to get saved and to get right with God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, 
He would persuade men, whether they liked him or whether they didn't. They left him for dead at one time, threw him out of the city, but God raised him up again, and he went back into that city and kept on preaching the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not what you think of us. It's not what you think of who we are. You might think we're a little bit over the top. We sing too long. Can't understand why we rejoice in the cross and the blood and being saved tonight. But brothers and sisters and sinner friend, there's a day coming when Christ will judge the whole world. And because of that, we're going to persuade you to get saved. We're going to encourage you to get right with God. We'll tell you the truth. Why will we tell you the truth? Because we love you and we're concerned for your precious soul. We see here that Paul's talking to a people who were glorying in their outward appearance, but not in the heart. Religion had become something of an outward It was all about how you look on the outside. It was all about the detective boxes of religion. It was all about, well, I went to church on a Sunday. I was there twice. I paid my tithe. I done which was right. I fed the poor. I helped the charity. I was in the children's club. I done everything that I was supposed to do. They were trusting all in the outward appearance, but not in the heart. And this is the context of the verse. Because they were living a religious life. Paul says that if one died, if one died for all, then all, listen to me tonight, all are dead. If one died, that's Jesus, then all are dead. What does the Bible tell us tonight? That every single one of us are born dead, dead and trespasses and sin. For those that are saved, we once in times past walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. That's how we used to live. Isn't that right, saints? That's how we lived. We lived our own life. We'd done our own thing. We went our own way. We lived the way we wanted to live. And that life brought us destruction. The Bible says, But God is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead. Listen to what he says. We're dead in sins. Then he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. You see what it says there? You see, listen very carefully. In this room tonight, there's simply two types of people. There are those that are alive and there are those that are dead. Do you know in this room tonight, there's dead men and women and young people. They're dead. Now everyone's breathing physically. Everyone's alive in the biological sense. But there are two groups of people in this room that separates this congregation. Those that are alive in Christ, born of the Spirit of God, and those that are dead. You're dead. You'll listen to the songs, you'll listen to the preaching, you'll hear a noise, but your spirit's dead and you can't respond because you're dead in sin. All of us are born dead in sin, spiritually dead. For you to know tonight, just in case you didn't, but to be dead means to be without life, non-responsive, lifeless to the spirit of the living God. Physically tonight, everyone in this room biologically was born. 
You might have been born in the royal. You might have been born in the city. You might have been born in Belfast, born anywhere else, born in London or born wherever. You might have been born in a palace or you might have been born in a pub. You might have been born in a car. But every single one of us in this room are born in sin. Dead. Dead. Spiritually dead. The Bible tells us in sin. Did my mother, and my mother's here tonight, but in sin, my mother conceived me. 47 years ago this June, when I was born, and they lifted little tiny Tim out, and set, one, one time I was small, and set tiny Tim on his, my mother's knee, and I'm sure she said, this is the most beautiful child that the world has ever seen. I'm sure she said it. I'm not the blue eye Patricia is, but, but I'm sure she said, as in tiny Tim, we'll call him Timothy. Look, he looks like a Timothy, as Trevor says. But it didn't take her long to realize that there was a nature in me. It didn't take her, she didn't stop loving me, but it didn't take her long before she realized that there was a nature in me. And that nature was a sin nature. I was going to do what I shouldn't have done. I'm not going to go into it tonight, but the books are full, but praise the Lord, they've been wiped. And we know as parents that it doesn't take us long to realize no matter how cute they are, no matter how wonderful they look, no matter how nice they are, no matter how we think they're so beautiful, but there's a nature in them that's sinful. They'll do what they're not supposed to do. We'll correct them. They'll tell lies because that's their nature. They'll steal because that's their nature. They'll be disobedient. Why? Because that's the nature that they've been born with. We've all been born dead in sin. And so we'll act that way. Told the story many times, but I love telling it. My boys love it too. One time, when I walked out the back door of our house, there's red footprints all the way to the garage. You've maybe heard it, but I'm going to tell it again. They love it. And I followed the red paint footprints out the back of our yard, down in the our garage, followed them right round. The garage was covered in red paint. And so I knew one of the boys had jumped into the garage, got the red paint out. They were painting the walls red, and all up the path was red. So give them the shout. And there's big Jack comes running over. He's first over. And then Luke's beside him. And then Caleb turns up. And the three of them are standing there. And I said, who had the red paint? And big Jack says, that wasn't me. Oh, no, it wasn't me. And Luke was saying, definitely wasn't me. No, 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 it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And then I looked at wee Caleb. And years ago, we used to have a wee lisp, sorry, son. But he was so cute. And I said to him, Caleb, was it you? He said, no, Dad. <laughs> And I looked down his wee legs and there his wee feet there. He's standing there with his wee face, a wee chubby face. Look at him now. And his wee shoes were covered in red paint. And I said, Caleb, was it you? But you see, that's his nature. He said, no, Dad, it wasn't me. And then, you know, the usual. But Caleb, was it you? And Big Jack's standing there going, he's dead. <laughs> he says, God, it wasn't him. And Luke's standing there saying, <laughs> he's like, I'm free in this one. And I say, Caleb's son, was it you? No, wasn't me, Dad. As cute as you like. I wanted to laugh, but I knew I had to keep it going. 
Then I said, Caleb, would you look down at your shoes? And he looked down at this shoe. They said, what's on your feet? Red paint. (laughs) (laughs) You see the nature, sorry lads, but the nature, the nature, you see the nature? We've all stories like that about our loved ones, about our kids. The nature, the sin nature's in us all. That's what it is. We'll lie, we'll cheat, we'll steal, we'll take something. And as we get older, as we get older in life, you see, it's the power of darkness, the prince and the power of this world that works to take that life which is dead in sin and to drive that life into deeper darkness and deeper sin to be lost without Christ and without hope. And he'll destroy your life. What is the Bible saying? That the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy your life. But Christ has come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. We're dead in sin. We've inherited a nature, a sin nature from our first parents, Adam and Eve. You know what the problem is with our world? Do you know what the problem is with our society? Do you know what the problem is with our house and estates? Do you know what the problem is with our nation? Do you know what the problem is? The problem is sin. That's what the problem is. I know this world has all its fancy titles, terms, and it has investigated all the different parts and this and that and labels and everything else. And they do what they can do. But friends, here's what the Bible says. We're born dead and sin. But thank God there's a remedy for sin. You see, the remedy is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2 and 12, that at that time, listen, listen to this. This is, I think Paul sums it up in one verse, and it's a wonderful verse, that at that time, this is what you are if you're lost tonight, and we're saved, this is what we remember we once were. That at that time ye were without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Do you know what that means? That simply means we didn't know anything about our citizenship that we had in God. You don't have a passport, whether it's British or Irish. But that passport tells you that you have a citizenship. And so here Paul says, you didn't know that there was a citizenship for you. Belonging to another kingdom. A citizenship in heaven. And strangers from the covenants of promise. You know, if you're dead tonight, this means nothing at this present time. The preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But in this word, there's covenants of promise by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is your hope. That he's peace. That he's come to reconcile you to God. That he's come to give you joy. Sins forgiven. Bring you to heaven. One day deliver you all the way to glory. Tonight you're dead and you realize this is nothing. It doesn't mean anything. I wonder what he's talking about. What do they get excited about? Why is she raising her hands? Why is she calling out to God tonight that she's so thankful that she's saved? The reason why is because her eyes have been opened. Their spirits which were once dead. The Holy Ghost has come upon a heart. They were born again of the Spirit of God. And those that were once blind, you know what happens? Now I can see. They can see. But I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Because you're dead. You're dead. Friends, 
tonight it's not hard to get saved. It's not difficult to get saved. It's impossible to get saved. The Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. Do you know what it is? It's a miracle. Spiritually, literally dead in sin. But those sins, this is the important part. Tonight as you sit here, that nature and all those sins that are being built up in your life, every sin, every lie, every thought, everything you stole, every bit of your self-righteousness, I don't need to get saved, I'm good enough. That self-righteousness, that pride that says I don't need the cross. All that sin, that drunkenness, that immorality, that adultery, that fornication, all those sins are being built up and account is being built up. You do that because you're a sinner. And one day, there's an accountability. The Bible says in Jude 15, he will come in the clouds with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all. There's a, there's a payday for sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a payday for your sin. Oh, well, sure. We'll eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. After death, there's the judgment. I don't need this. I'm going to enjoy my life. You've been duped by the devil. He's lying to you. I can live whatever way I want. I can be religious. I can go to church. I can know things about the Bible. I can know about Jesus. I can tell you the stories that's in the Bible. I can be a religious person. But brothers and sisters, religious people don't go to heaven. Only people that are born again. I'm looking at two types of people across this room tonight. Those that are living and those that are dead. Dead. Dead in sin. There is nothing, there is no man or woman in this room tonight that can save you. Not one person in this room tonight can save you. It's impossible. I know often we've said it and it's the truth, but genuinely and sincerely, if we could save you, I tell you, I know that every person in this room that's saved, you know what they do? They carry you over the threshold. If they could lift you out of sin, they'd bring you all the way and carry you into the kingdom. But friends, I want to tell you something. Not a man in this room can save you. There's only one can save you tonight. His name's Jesus. Christ died. Here's the hope for your sins. He died for your sins. Peter says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin, we were born in sin, but then when we're saved, we're dead to sin, that we should live under righteousness. And then he says these wonderful words, by whose stripes we are healed. In the power of the blood of Jesus and through the cross of Christ tonight, we are healed. We are delivered. We are saved. Not spiritually, emotionally, in our mind and in our body tonight. There's healing for all in the cross. The power, what I'm talking about tonight, is the term that Jesus used. And it's right up to date. Ye must be born again. You must be born again. This is so important. And to be honest tonight, I believe that really this, 
This is the absolute nucleus of the Christian faith, the born-again experience. It is an experience, but it's a miracle. It is a miracle of God that a man could be saved. It's not a work of the church. It's not a work of the preacher. It's not a work of a Sunday school teacher. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. The wind of God blows into a room like this and somebody who's lost in sin and dead in sin, thine eye diffused a quickening ray. It's a miracle. It's a miracle for God to show you that you need saved, number one. And number two, it's a miracle that God actually saves you. But that's what he wants to do. You see, tonight if you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't need to get saved. What that is, is a lie. And it's a lie from the thief, the devil himself. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You have actually been deceived. And it's the spirit of truth. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, the preaching of the cross. To them that perish is foolishness, but to us that are saved, it's the power of God. Romans 10 and 9, I was glad that Jeff began with this tonight, but that song tonight, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, do you know what it says? Thou shalt be, what? Saved. Would you say the word saved? saved. Say it again. Saved. saved. You know, Stephen, we're sharing just the other night, but we were hearing recently that in a, in a church, they don't want the preachers anymore to use the word saved. Think about it. Many people are saved here. Isn't it good to be saved? Amen. Do you know how many times the word saved, Stephen is used in the New Testament? 57 times. Think about it. That men of great intelligence, that's maybe the problem, Men that have become so smart to try and change or reach into a world will no longer use the word saved. Well, let me tell you something. If it's good enough for this book, it's good enough for me. I've been saved. I got saved. I tell you, don't swallow the modern garbage. I got saved. That word simply means I've been delivered. Dead in sin, but then something wonderful happens by the power of Almighty God. The wind of the Spirit blows in. The heart begins to see, not with the physical, but see by faith their need of a Savior. They realize they're lost in sin and they need a Savior. Who reveals that to them? It's the Holy Spirit. And powerfully and wonderfully and gloriously as the Holy Spirit moves in that heart and that heart responds sincere in the heart, Lord, forgive me. Save me. Do you know what happens? A miracle happens. A miracle happens. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Then he says in the verse that we read, therefore, this is really crucial. Friends, I... I believe, I know it's simple, probably elementary the most, but you know what the big problem is today? That so many people are being told by someone at the platform or someone in some room or somewhere, 
You just say a prayer and you're saved. And honestly, here's the tragedy. There are literally thousands of people sitting in churches all across this land and many countries of the world and they've been told by a preacher that they're saved and they've never experienced a new birth. Never experienced it. Oh, they can tell you how many books are in the Bible. They can be experts in theological matters and great doctrines. They can do many things. They're part of churches. The reason why churches have to have so much extra in them today, so much other facilities to keep everyone, is because they've never been saved. They'll go to the gyms. They'll go to the sports halls. They'll go to the, the nights out. They'll go to the, the, the flashing lights. They'll be attracted with all the... But the old rugged cross made the difference. And that's an offense. I got saved. Many people in this room got saved. Would you say amen? You got saved. When did you get saved, Stephen? 1980. When did you get saved, Paul? 19, when did you get saved, David? 77. It's good to be saved. We got saved. The tragedy is, for a moment, if you think about it, the Bible says, therefore, if any man, remember it was all men are dead, but now if any man, that simply means the whosoever, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, now the invitation, all are dead, but the invitation is for all men. Someone that's the Spirit of God moves in their heart will respond to whosoever. If any man be in Christ, this is the wonderful news of the gospel. He's a new creature. I mean, think about this is so wonderful. Not a life in this room that is broken with sin and darkness and shame and troubled and tormented and ruined and no hope and nowhere to turn to and no one to turn to can leave this room tonight. A new creature, a new life in Jesus. Surely that's something worth shouting about. That's not what I'm doing. Life's changed by the power of God. But you see, a dead man can't see. A dead man can't hear. A dead man doesn't mean anything. I could preach here, and you know I probably could. I could preach here for days. And that man or that woman won't move one inch. But suddenly by the power of the Holy Ghost, that's why when we pray, when the preacher's voice is silent, where the Spirit of God continue to convict him of sin or her of sin, and suddenly their eyes are opened. It's a miracle. It's not doing a course. It's not going through the Alpha course. It's not doing through the, the ABCs of church life. It's not coming along and just trying to be religious. Oh, he wears a shirt and I wear a shirt and tie. What type of Bible? King James study. I've got the same Bible as he's got. And then that means that I'm sort of in. No, brothers and sisters. No sinner, friend. It's a miracle of God. It's a miracle. But today we have reduced it to just a few words. Just go through the motions. Tick the box. Fill in your address. Come back next week. And you're saved. I tell you, I believe it's a tragedy. Matthew 7, 23 says, For many shall say on that day, Lord, Lord, we've done these great things in your name. 
done great works in your name. We've done it all in your name. And the Lord will say to them, listen, this is the scripture. Depart from me. I didn't know you. I never knew you. Oh, but I was brought up in a Christian home and I was taught all the great doctrines and I was able to say the catechism and I was able to go through and I knew everything about the Westminster Confession of Faith and I knew all the doctrines and I knew everything but never born again of the Spirit of God. I tell you, this country's full of that. Never born again. If any man be in Christ, do you know what he is? He's a new creature. It's a new life. It, you know what it actually means when you dig into it a little bit? It's never, he's never existed this way before. He's never been this way before because it's a miracle of God. God enters into that life. They're born of the Spirit of God. They were dead, but now they become alive. Their eyes were blind, but now they see. Their ears were deafened, but now they hear. The miracle of God and the power of the born again experience. He's a new creature. She's a new creature. New life, new creature. Something completely different to what they were. Changed by the power of Almighty God. A new heart, a new mind, new desires, new conversation, new purpose, new conduct, new creature, a new life, a life of Jesus. That's in it. He gives us his desires. The old things. What happens to the old things? They all pass away. Behold, all things become new. I thank God tonight that the old life's gone. Never to come back. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank God tonight the old life. The old li- Are you glad the old life, the old things passed away? Anyone glad about that tonight? Are you glad? You're, listen, maybe tonight you don't maybe grasp this. It's okay. But I'm glad tonight that I used to be a drunkard and I used to be a thug and I used to be a liar and a cheater and clubbing it and a womanizer. But thank God tonight I'm saved. I'm saved. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. It's good to be saved, isn't it? All things pass away. It's a miracle. It's a changed life. I'm looking across this room to many lives that have been changed by the power of God. I tell you, I'm looking at many faces and lives tonight that if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God from the back where Brent is sitting and Judith right up to the front tonight, if it wasn't for the power of the new birth, they'd already be dead and in a lost eternity. They got saved. I mean, and they got saved. The day the church stops preaching about getting saved, sin, the cross, heaven and hell. Listen, we might fill the rooms we might be packed to the doors. We might have every room filled and we might be boasting and shouting about how great it is. Let me tell you something tonight. What's going to really matter on that day is when Christ stands and there's a separation between the wheat and the tares. Don't pull them up. Don't try to chase them out. But when he comes, those angels will divide And those tares will be taken and the wheat, the goats and the sheep on the right hand, on the left. If any man's being Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's a new life. It's a new life. That's what Christ has come to give us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, the Bible tells us that we can't create 
an anxious thought. Do you know what that means? That simply means tonight there is not one thing that this preacher or any preacher or any man or woman in this room can do to make you see tonight. We can preach the gospel because we're commanded to do that and we'll do it and preach the truth. But there's nothing that we can do to quicken your spirit, to quicken your darkened soul that you would suddenly need, see the need of a Savior. But I know one thing, that the Holy Spirit is in this room tonight to open the eyes of the blind. That's a miracle. To soften hearts that are hard. To unstop the deafened ears. Move on a heart. Bring conviction of sin. And if God is speaking to you tonight in your heart and suddenly you realize, I need to get saved. I want to tell you something, brother and sister, but sinner friend particularly. Sincerely in your heart, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth sincerely before the Lord, you know what will happen? I tell you, you'll not have to beat through anything. The Holy Ghost will instantly come into your life and into your heart and you'll be born again. You'll be made alive. You'll be a new creature in Christ. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Anybody believe in miracles? A lot of churches say we don't believe in miracles. I believe in them. It's a miracle to get saved. We pray that the Holy Ghost will move in some heart tonight. Some heart, some life, young or old. And you get saved. Let's pray together tonight. Brother David, would you come?